0: Hello, dear friends, it's Carly, and welcome to another episode of the I Learned podcast. This season five episodes, this will be the third episode of season five. The seasons are totally arbitrary. They all have a different number of episodes and I've only been podcasting for like two years. So I don't know where I get the seasons, but there are these really clear I guess I do know where I get the seasons. (laughs) There are these really clear breaks in the energy where it usually comes with a slump. Like I just don't feel like podcasting for a while. And then when I do feel like coming back to it, there's like this renewed spirit of a new readiness to speak even more deeply into the authenticity of what I have learned. And this episode is no different. This episode, I'm so excited. I cannot believe I didn't think to make this like at any point over the last few weeks, but I didn't. I fully trust that this this right here, right now is the moment where I'm ready to tell the story of getting naked. I am, oh God, I'm ready to tell this story. It's so freaking good. Uh, did I mention I'm glad you're here? That I'm, I'm glad that you're listening. I, I love that. I, it's so cool to me to think that you would be listening to this right now. But, yeah. So, getting naked, getting naked is something that I've learned, and it is also the title of a book uh, by Patrick Lencioni. Getting naked by Patrick Lencioni. I personally listened to this book. Um, I bought it on Audible. And as I, as I feel compelled, (laughs) like it's like a compulsion, like I'm, I'm compelled to recommend this book to like every human being on the planet. Um, I don't know if it would suit every single person on the planet, but that's how powerfully I feel that I have been impacted by this work in a positive way and would shout it from the rooftops if I didn't live in the middle of nowhere. Um, so I'm putting it on my podcast instead. It's like the virtual shouting from the rooftops, um, getting naked by Patrick Lencioni. Are you downloading it yet? Have you looked it up on audible as I recommend it? As I feel compelled to recommend it. I also want to say you should listen. You should listen to this book. You shouldn't read this book. You should listen to this book. So specifically, I'm not an Audible spokesperson by any means, but you should listen to this book. You should let it be told to you like a story because that's how it's written. The first, when you listen to it on Audible, it's only like four and a half hours long. And so it's, it's, I've listened to it, I think four times now, (laughs) and it's probably just the beginning. Um, So like the first, like three hours, three and a half hours are the story of how the main character came to understand this getting naked philosophy, which as he presents first thing in the book is all about vulnerability and authenticity. So vulnerability is essentially naked. Like when you are not armored up, you're not protecting yourself You're putting yourself out there in an emotionally exposed way that is vulnerability. And it's also written, he personally is a management consultant, which you wouldn't have to be to benefit. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think, and they do a good job of tying it all together at the end where like they're commenting on, wow, like my husband's a a contractor. He like builds things and he's so naked. He's, and his clients love him and he never has to advertise because his clients are always bringing him new business, telling everybody you have to go to him. He's the best. And it's because they genuinely genuinely love him. And it's because he's naked, he's vulnerable, he's authentic, he's real, and he's never trying to cover up himself in order for them to like him. And this book, <laughs> this is just like, I'm going to just, I'm going to take a deep breath and chillax here for just a second, because, because I feel like I could gush and gush and gush and gush, about not only the philosophy, I mean, I'm a, you know, philosophy is awesome and I could get down with a new principle as much as the next person, but especially those of you that have been listening, you know, that like, I can't, I'm not really fully satisfied if I learn a new philosophy, like I need to apply it in my life and see what kind of practical application the philosophy has. Like, like you think about a bucket Like a bucket is a great idea and maybe you even have like, I'm going to make this really fancy bucket. I'm going to like, you know, weave these twigs together and like, it's going to be so cute and I'm going to do it in this really unique way. And I'm like, that's a really great idea. Can I put water in it? Does the, does the thing hold my water when I have to carry my water in this bucket from point A to point B? When I get to point B, do I still have some water? Does the bucket work? That's the question. And that is a beautiful segue. Wow. To Saturn and Pisces. <laughs> Saturn and Pisces is another topic I've been wanting to talk about. And I'm not going to go off rails on Saturn and Pisces. We're going to stay on getting naked, but like the same idea applies here, and that's very much how my slant has always worked. It's like, yes, I want the new idea. Yes, I want the the new philosophy to contemplate and consider and <clears throat> digest and connect the dots and like all of that is so fun. And then I need to see how it works. Like the fanciest bucket in the world, I don't care about that if it doesn't hold water. If the water leaks all out on the ground, then that clearly is not going to (laughs) work. Like that's decorative. I'm not interested. I am not interested in decorative philosophies. I am interested in the ones that work. Does the bucket hold the water? That's what I want to know. Getting naked, does it hold water? And that is what I'm here to tell you is getting naked holds water. If you turn off this episode right now and go to the Getting Naked audiobook, I wouldn't blame you in the slightest. I'm going to hang out a little longer because I'm not even close to done yet gushing about how much I freaking love this philosophy because it holds water. It works. It makes so much sense. And when you apply it in real life, it works. You get The desired outcome that you want. And it's so multifaceted, the things that I want to say about this. And I'm just going to give myself permission right now that if this is like a two hour episode, like we're just going to go with it. Um, because I'm feeling scarcity around, like there's so many pieces that I want to unpack here. And I am trying to figure out like, just like my whole, like it holds water thing. Like what is the most practically applicable way to get into the rest of what I want to share. I'm very much asking myself this question in real time. What is the most practical, easy to apply part? The three fears, hands down, the three fears. So this is the model that he presents at the end. Um, The, like I said, the first three and a half hours or so are the story of him entering into this space where he learned getting naked. And he learned it through, it was a merger of two different businesses. Like one company bought the other company and he was the one that was assigned to the other company, the one that got bought. He was supposed to go there and run it for like six months. And Basically find out like what value do they have at that company that we could extract and build into t- our existing company and then figure out what is duplication that we don't need that and we can cut that and let the rest of that go. But like, let's get the value out of this company. And so he goes there and basically like the two consulting firms are the two these two companies they basically do their work the work part like just the cold hard facts like it's so similar it's like the same and yet this other company their their clients are like hiring them for more projects their clients are referring them more enthusiastically so like basically they don't advertise they don't cold call people call them and they're like, Hey, so-and-so over at this place told me you guys are the best and I would be a fool not to work with you. Like, can you help me with X, Y, Z? And so that's how they're getting their business and they charge higher rates. So not only are they having like this, this magnetism of clients coming to them, but they're the more expensive option. But the consulting, the actual work is the same. So what's the difference? What is the difference? And as he lives through these few months of trying to find out, like, what is the difference? Why do their clients pay these higher rates? He sees that this is what they do differently. They get naked in front of their clients. And obviously not literally, they're not physically taking off their clothes. They're energetically taking off their protection, their emotional protection. They are putting themselves out there and they do that by facing these three fears and learning not to be afraid of them. And so these naked consultants, and really you could be anything. You could be a naked teacher. You could be a naked contractor. You could be a naked, whatever, like, again, we're not talking physically naked, but in order to be naked You have to get over being afraid of these three things. And this is what he summarizes out of his experience as the getting naked way is these three fears. And so number one, the fear of losing the business. Number two, the fear of being embarrassed. And number three, the fear of feeling inferior. So I'm going to go back through each of these individually. So number one, the fear of losing the business. And let's even take it completely out of a business context, just so that it's crystal clear how anybody could apply this. Let's put it in the the space of a one-on-one romantic relationship. And this same fear sabotages our one-on-one romantic relationship, the same as it would sabotage a relationship between a consultant and their client, the fear of losing the business, what this does, let's say again, in the relationship context, it's like, you don't want them to get mad at you. You don't want them to break up with you. You don't want them to, you know, get so mad that they have to walk out and they don't come back for two days. Like you're avoiding this possible outcome of you upsetting them when you're afraid of losing the business, when you're afraid of losing the outcome, the thing that you think you need, and it has to be delivered by this other person. And when you have that dynamic set up, another word for that would be attachment. You're attached to keeping the business. You're attached to keeping the relationship. And when you're in that particular space, when it comes down to I need to tell this person a difficult truth, like let like the one of the examples that is in the book in one of the stories that unfolded is like the consultant went in and was looking at the designs for this marketing campaign that they had been working on. And like the consultant was there during the brainstorming and the vision setting. And like, this is what we want out of this new marketing campaign. And then they hired this outside firm to create these mock-ups for this new campaign. And the consultant goes in there and is like, these are terrible this is all wrong. This is not what we talked about is, do you think this is delivering on what we set out to do three weeks ago? Like that kind of a hard truth. Like this is not acceptable. We can't have this. And then he finds out the boss, the CEO of the company loves it. Thinks it's great. And the consultant, the naked consultant says, get him in here. We can't let him do this. We have to tell him that this is not good. This is, this is so close to what you already have. This isn't taking the leap of what we said we wanted to do. And so like that kind of a hard truth of like, this is not okay. I'm not okay with this. This is not what we agreed to. Being able to advocate on behalf of what was agreed to and hold the whole entire situation accountable to what was agreed to regardless of who is personally the one voting, like even if you're going up against the CEO of the company. And, you know, like that was the question afterwards was like, weren't you worried that he was going to throw you out of his office or what, what would you have done if he would have thrown you thrown you out of his office? And it's like, I would, I would have left his office, <laughs> but he wasn't going to do that because those mock-ups weren't what we agreed to. Like I was there advocating on behalf of the highest good of this client. And if he didn't want to hear it, then that wasn't going to be the right fit for us to, you know, continue to work with them anyway. Like if he wasn't open to being held accountable to what he said he wanted, then like there's, there's a bigger gap happening here that probably we're not going to be the right fit to helping them with their goals. And so again, bringing it back to that personal relationship space it's like when you're afraid of losing the relationship you hold yourself back on telling hard truths there's there's more reasons in the mix as to why you can't say your authentic real emotionally exposed putting yourself at risk truth and i think i think that makes sense i feel like i made that point the second fear is the fear of being embarrassed and the fear of being embarrassed really holds us back as individuals where we're not as likely to speak up with our ideas or our opinions um, for fear that they would be laughed at or called stupid or like, you know, somebody just got done saying that, you know, we're bringing in these parts from Mexico. And then you ask like, Hey, where are we bringing in these parts? (laughs) You know, one of those moments. (laughs) And the, 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 yeah, like this one, again, I think it depends on the situation as far as like, do you owe the situation, your ideas and your honest opinions about things? And like, is that what you're in that space to do? Because if, you know, if it's not your business and it's not like, it's somebody else's situation. Like maybe you don't need to speak up your ideas and then holding them back is like probably the strategically accurate thing to do. But when you're in a situation where somebody is like point blank needing or hoping for or asking for your feedback and you feel unable to say what you need to say for fear of it being perceived as wrong or stupid or, waste of time or something like that. Like that's really worth considering. Um, because again, to be vulnerable, to put yourself out there and speak up and offer ideas to make, make suggestions and Hey, what about this? And have you thought about trying this? And that could be the exact thing that they spent the last two years trying, but like, don't you want to help them? Like, is the goal to help them or is the goal to save face and to look smart and, If it's to look smart and to not ever lose credibility, you're also probably going to have a hard time gaining credibility because of the lack of feedback that you're able to put out there. If all you can vocalize are things that you can absolutely prove for a fact are brilliant ideas, good luck making a career off of those or good luck in that personal relationship example, good luck allowing them to see enough of you to form a bond with, you know, like, again, if all you're ever putting out there are the pieces that are totally 100% polished and perfect. Like I personally, I personally enjoy the unique, messy, complex facets of the relationships that I keep in my life. And so when people are only willing to show me what they can wrap up in a neat, tidy little bow, it's like, I see you trying to pretend that you're perfect. I know you're not when you're interested in, you know, like exploring more of your authentic self out loud, like give me a call. But until then, like, I really don't have time for playing pretend that like all is well. Like when it's not, let's sink into it and let's figure out what it is and let's use this potential conflict to better ourselves. And this is something that I've had to learn along the way. Like I am the first one to be like, I'm totally terrified of conflict. I hate it. It makes my stomach hurt. And that's another place where getting naked holds water. It holds water when when you are there for the highest good of the situation that you're participating in, whether that's a work situation or a personal relationship or any kind of situation, why are you there? Why are you there? Are you Again, are you there to look right? Are you there to be right? Are you there to win the day by offering the most number of right ideas and the least number of wrong ideas? Or are you there to serve the highest good of the situation? And there's no right or wrong answer. And we all fall into some of both of those, I'm guessing at some time or another. And it's about being aware of, is that holding you back or not? Because if you're there to help the situation and you don't want to be embarrassed, those two are going to have a hard time coexisting. Like either you're there to put forth like your best effort, which is going to include some ideas that fall flat. You know, we throw the spaghetti noodles at the wall and some of them stick and some of them don't. But if you're only willing to throw the spaghetti noodles that will stick, we don't know that until they land on the wall. So you can see how the fear of being embarrassed can really circumvent progress. It can really circumvent authentic connection. It keeps us isolated in these, again, pretend paradises of perfection that don't really exist. And while we're living in fantasy land, the bucket is leaking the water out onto the ground that doesn't hold water. It doesn't actually get us where we where we want to go. In order to actually get where we want to go in terms of serving the highest good of the situation we're participating in, we have to risk being seen as foolish or uninformed or, you know, pie in the sky, that'll, that'll never work. Like we don't have the technology for that or whatever the case is. Like when you're willing to put yourself out there and offer what you think might help, whether the idea, whether the spaghetti noodle sticks on the wall or not, what you're doing is showing that your top interest Is the success of the situation in front of you, even when that means a personal blow to your ego, like I'm willing to take a personal blow to my ego. I'm willing to be told that I'm wrong because, you know, nine times out of 10, I I'm not, and these are good ideas. And every once in a while, there are some pieces that like, yeah, that probably didn't need to be said or that idea doesn't make sense for us or whatever. And it's like, even those, we learn something, we learn what doesn't work, you know? So that's helpful too, in terms of if your goal is to serve the highest good of the all. But if your goal is to make your ego feel nice, then yeah, offering stupid ideas is never going to work for you. But by the end of getting naked, I would imagine you're a whole lot more willing to be embarrassed. The third fear of the fear of feeling inferior. This one is so similar and yet so different from the second fear and can also play back into the first fear and admittedly is a bit of a gray area in terms of how it functions independently within this group of these three fears all of that to say, I'm just going to skip it. <laughs> I'm just going to skip it um, and move on to my next piece and let you learn about it in the in the book. But I think the bottom line is like the fear of feeling inferior is like, again, a more drastic version of the second fear where it's not just embarrassed, but like you're committed to your reputation, to your, your um, basically managing the way people see you. That like you're demanding that they see you in some kind of superior way. And in order to continue that, like, let's say the, the perfect example is like certain tasks are beneath you. Like you don't have, you don't do meeting prep. That's somebody else's job. Like you don't, you don't pick up the plates after we're done eating because like, that's, that's the job of the help or like whatever, where like you think you're too good to do X, Y, Z. And so you don't. And all that says it, again, it's like when you're looking at, at it through the lens of serving the highest good of the situation overall, whatever the situation needs is what it needs in this moment. And if that's meeting prep, if that's, we just finished eating and we're picking up the plates now, cleaning off the table so we can get back to work. Like this is what the situation needs in this moment and being open to serving the needs of the situation in the moment, that kind of servant attitude, sacrificing what you think is your top priority in favor of whatever the situation needs for me. That's what I do you know, I'm not too good for any of it. I do what's needed. I do what needs to be done so that we can move forward. It's like, again, are you serving your own ego or are you serving the forward momentum of the project that you're helping with or the relationship that you're helping with? And sometimes that means looking unimportant for a minute so that the group can move forward. And are you willing to be unimportant? Are you willing to be Mistaken for a stalker. Oh my god, my f- <laughs> this is so good. Kids, you gotta love them. They're the best truth tellers in the whole world. We could all learn learn a thing or two from from the way they tell their truths because they're so honest because they don't know enough to respect like what is proper behavior. And that's really what I'm like, what it boils down to with getting naked. Like, are you proper? AKA you're wearing your clothes the way you should be all of that in giant quotation marks. Or are you naked? Are you just being real? And this kid, she was just being real. She was just trying to make sense out of a conversation her and her mom had clearly already been having. And the mom's face got so red when she asked her follow-up question. And I'm the, I'm the just the, the cooperative component that happened to provoke this. And then I got to witness it. I think so I could tell you guys about it right now. So are you willing to be mistaken for an unimportant person? are you willing to do work that would cause others to mistake you for an assistant or a you know a servant of some kind like are you willing to put yourself in that position and so the my favorite this example is that i was at my grocery store the grocery store that i own i'm 50% owner in this store and When the store is short staffed, when the cashier calls in sick that day, you go to the cash register and you start scanning groceries and you take a $20 bill and you make change. Like that's what you do when that's what the business needs. That's what you do. When the guy who runs the meat counter calls in sick, you go back to the meat counter and you start slicing turkey. You start serving up ground beef packages. like That's what you do. And so I'm at the cash register. I've been there all day. I'm doing my thing, cashiering the groceries and woman and her daughter, her daughter, I'm going to say she was like, maybe like seven to nine, I have a really hard time telling kids ages or people's ages in general, but like, that's my guess. She was older than like, she'd clearly been talking and reasoning for a good long while. Um, and so she said, and I'm going to try to remember the exact word that she used. Gosh, dang it. And I can't, I know the gist of what I take away from it, but I can't remember the exact word that she used. But what she said to her mom was, so if I was a cashier, what then would I be? And the word she used, but like, I think it was the i can i can't even remember what word she said but the gist of it that i have in my head the feeling that i took away you know like they say people will never remember what you said but they will remember how you how you made them feel and so it was trashy it was um like uneducated unsuccessful like i i don't think any of those were the words that she used but it was very clear that her mom had been most likely trying to explain to her why she wanted to become educated or like go further in life than like these menial jobs. And her daughter is like trying to clarify, like, so is this one, is this one of those jobs that, and she's like pointing at me while she's asking this. She's like, so if I was a cashier, then would I be this? And her mom's face got so red. I don't even think she knew who I was, but like, that's what I'm talking about. Like this kid thinks i'm a cashier you know and why wouldn't she i'm cashiering but that's not what i am you know like i'm i'm something much different than that but i cashier when i need to because that's what the business needs like is that something that you could tolerate if that's what the the situation needed or do you have to be perceived in a certain way because if i had to be perceived in a certain way i might have you know, like grabbed her little finger and clarified, like, listen, Missy, actually like, but I didn't, I just laughed and I looked at her mom. I'm like, I see what you've been trying to teach your daughter is that there are classes in society. that, like, some jobs are better than other jobs. And if you're one of these lower jobs, then you're not as good of a person. I see you teaching your your child that I'm sure you had the best of intentions, but do you see why that doesn't makes sense. Do you see why? Like that's probably like maybe there's a better way to in try to inspire your child to like reach further in life than by belittling or demeaning these kinds of jobs. Like you don't know who that person is doing that job. Like you have no idea who like how inferior or superior they are to you just by what job they do. That's not enough information to come to that assessment. And that's the truth. That in my world is cold, hard facts. And that's why I just laughed at that little girl. Like, oh my goodness, like this is what she believes. And the way she posed that question to her mom, the inflection in her voice was like, this is a continuation of a conversation they were already having. And that is just a window into into human dynamics, you know, like where we do naturally, we can we can naturally think of things as like, you know, survival of the fittest, basically like Darwinian philosophy of like, if you want to survive, you need to be better than the other one. Like two dogs fighting over a bone, like that bone doesn't get broken in half. Only one dog gets the bone. So you want to be one of the dogs who gets the bones. It's like, you just don't have to you don't have to see it like that. It doesn't have to be a competition that way, but some people do see it that way. And then that's what holds them back from being real and authentic and vulnerable about themselves is that they are trying to keep this portrayal going of, no, this is who I am and you will only see me as this. And so when you think about the three fears, the fear of losing the business, the fear of being embarrassed and the fear of feeling inferior. What comes to me out of like the common thread of all of these is manipulation. Like you're trying to control, you're trying to manipulate other people into behaving in ways that you think they should. The fear of losing the business, you want them to keep hiring you. You don't want them to fire you. You want them to continue giving you their money, fear of losing the business. You're controlling how they're spending their money. (laughs) Like that just like, when you put it like that, it's easy to see why like that's, yeah, that's not a great option. Like if you want to live in a world where you personally have your own sovereignty and autonomy, then you need to let other people have theirs too. And we can't make people give us their resources that's their choice. And so all we can do is offer our best. And if our best is not in alignment with what they want, then they may choose to go somewhere else and give their money to somebody else. But at the end of that, we will have known that we gave it our best. The fear of feeling inferior, like, or sorry, the fear of being embarrassed, same thing. Like you're trying to manipulate what they think of you. You're trying to plant a conclusion inside their mind. You're trying to brainwash them into thinking that you're infallible by refusing to potentially embarrass yourself. So like all of that, I, and I go into this and I I have this bad habit of being like you, you, you a lot, because that's my higher self talking to me. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, I'm guilty of every single bit of all three of these fears, and that's part of kind of going full circle with what I was talking about at the beginning of like, I don't, I'm not interested in philosophies that don't work. I want a bucket that holds water, not one that leaks all over the ground. These three fears, after I read the book, like the reason it was so powerful is because I caught myself immediately doing all three of them immediately I could see where, yes, these three fears are blocking my ability to tell my truth. They're blocking my ability to express myself. They're blocking my ability to serve the highest good of the projects that I'm working on because I'm trying to be liked. I'm trying to stay hired. I'm trying to you know be respectable and credible as an expert opinion in the situations I'm in. And because I'm taking that tact... I'm holding myself back. I'm dancing around conflict. I'm, you know, appeasing people who I don't actually agree with. Like I'm doing these things. And when I see myself doing these things right after I read the book, and then I or I listen to the book, and then I'm I'm witnessing these fears coming up in my own experience. I was able to use the practices that they give in the book, like each of these fears has at least a few, some of them up to five different philosophies of like, how do you overcome this fear? How do you Cause it's scary, right? So they don't just be like, Hey, stop doing that. They tell you, here's how you stop doing that. Here's what it looks like. Here's the behavior that is natural when you're not being held back by these fears. And so same as any other personal change we ever try to implement, what are those one degree turns towards being more courageous in facing up to those fears rather than allowing them to hold us back? So not how do we get naked and stay naked 100% of the time, but in 1% more of your situations, how do you be 1% more naked? 1% more leaning past the fear point into what's true and helpful to the highest good of the all. My favorite tool from the entire thing, my favorite tool Is have pure intentions towards the highest good, the highest outcome for the situation that you're participating in. And then do not worry about the consequences. Do not worry about the consequences of your actions. Do not worry about the consequences of your words. Do not worry that you might hurt somebody's feelings in the short term. Do not worry that they might fire you and throw you out of their office. Do not worry about the consequences when you are coming from a place of pure intention. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't hold yourself back. When you have a pure heart, when you have love in your heart for the highest good of the situation that you are participating in, which includes the highest good of every single person in that situation, you're no longer serving your own personal ego. You're there for the all. Then they say, enter the danger. <laughs> That's your next step. Enter the danger. Find the tension. Find the conflict. Find the disagreement. Find the misalignment. And bring it to light so that it can be solved so that we can move forward. Speak your truth. Be open to reason. Have pure intentions. And don't worry about the consequences. That has been so critically life-changing to know, like already, already I knew I was coming from the right place, but the part that I didn't have clicked in yet before I listened to this book was I knew I was coming from the right place, but I thought that like I had a competing value basically with not upsetting people. Like, rocking the boat or causing tension or hurting someone's feelings in the short term. Like if I couldn't keep perfect harmony, 100% of the way through it, then I didn't approach it because a hundred percent harmony was what I was like valuing subconsciously without even really realizing it. And it came back to, as I studied introspectively, which of the three fears is the biggest challenge for me. It's absolutely hands down. Well, first of all, which one do you think it is? Which one do you think it is for you? Which one do you think it is for me? I would love to hear hear what you think about that um, or your opinion based on like your external point of view. Like I would love to hear what it looks like from the outside. From inside, I would have to say my biggest fear is fear of losing the business, fear of the client firing me, fear of this the partner breaking up with me, fear of the employee quitting, fear of my business partner getting mad at me and like us having, you know, to separate or dissolve our working relationship, fear of losing the business, fear of losing the, the piece that I think is valuable or important. And it's not wrong or unnatural or abnormal even to be attached to things that we think are valuable like it makes a lot of sense that we we have a sense for value and importance and that we place a good deal of importance on the things that we find valuable and so i think you know when we come to especially that one for me the fear of losing the business like when i come up against that i it's led me down this rabbit hole honestly of like studying conflict and studying like the the healthy way to have conflict and the healthy way to have a debate and the all the good that can come out of those things that like like the example that i heard on a podcast this morning was like you know Conflict can be good. Like, let's say you have somebody who's really passionate about efficiency, which is like getting things done as fast and as easy as possible. And then you have a different person who's really passionate about quality, meaning I don't care how long it takes. I want it to be of really good quality when it's finished. And so that par- that process of quality usually takes a lot of time, whereby the person who cares about efficiency wants to minimize the time. And so naturally these two people have completely different priorities in the situation that we're all participating in, but that conflict between them, it means that not only will we have something that's really efficient, but we will also be able to achieve a higher level of quality than if we had just left it to the efficient person. And if we just left it to the quality person, yes, we would get a high quality product, but it would probably take way longer. And so marrying the two together and kind of melding and finding the synergistic place, like where do we get the best out of both of these things? That process is only possible if you're willing to have conflict. Otherwise you're stuck in this siloed place where we can only maximize one element at a time. Like we can only give the task to the efficient person, or we can only give the task to the high quality person because we're not willing to let there be conflict. And so we lose if we're not willing to have conflict. And in order to have conflict, in order to be able to face this thing that I have been so terrified of my whole entire life That's where I say like getting naked has changed the game for me. It is a bucket that holds water that gets me through these moments of conflict where, again, when I face up to that fear of losing the business, for example, I'm able to see that either A, I'm going to speak this truth that I feel is in the highest good of the business of the client, of the employee, of the the situation, the process, like whatever it is, I'm going to say what I think is true and I'm going to be open to reason as far as if somebody can show me something that I missed, like I want to hear about that. But at the same time, if they reject my truth and aren't able or wanting to offer a reasonable explanation, they just want to reject my truth. I'm willing to be rejected. I'm willing to let them say, I don't want to work here anymore. I don't want to participate in this situation with you anymore. I'm willing to lose the business. If it means that basically what they said in the book, the getting naked philosophy is like, that's not going to be a productive situation for you long-term anyway. Like if that's somebody that doesn't want to hear your reason, if that's somebody that doesn't want to like respect your authentic truth, then long-term, that's not going to be a healthy fit. And if it's somebody like basically one of the examples that they gave is like, you know, if somebody doesn't want to hear your truth, like let's say, for example, the problem, you go into a business and you're the consultant and you have to find like, what is the root cause of this problem so that we can solve it and we can move forward. What if the root cause of the problem is the CEO, like the person who hired you. And now the root cause of the problem is them. And in order to solve this problem that they hired you to solve, you have to tell them that they need to change. They need to adapt. They need to improve. They need to work on this particular area. If that person is not willing to hear it and they throw you out of their office and they fire you on the spot, that is for the best. You have been spared from working with that client because if they're not willing to admit that it's their fault in a private conversation, specifically with you, they're definitely not going to admit that it's their fault when they're talking to their CEO buddies out on the golf course or wherever else they're at. And so if you were to continue working with a person like that, trying to help them solve this problem, even though they're not willing to accept that they are the problem, you stick around and you try to solve other things about it. And then when it doesn't work because you've never really reached the root cause of the problem, they're sure is shit not going to admit that you tried everything you could, but we couldn't be helped. They're going to say you did a bad job. Like when you go along with their short-sighted, narrow-minded view of things in order to keep them happy at the end of that approach, not working, you will be the scapegoat. And at the end of a, you know, a toxic relationship where like I wasted 10 years of my life with this person because they didn't respect me and they didn't hear me and they didn't value me and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you probably knew that right away and, or could have known that right away. If you had been willing to put yourself out there. I know every time I feel like I've wasted time in a relationship, I basically was waiting on them to be a mind reader and to like, just kind of naturally change into this person that I wanted them to be through my little passive aggressive suggestions and silent treatments and like all of these things. And then at the end of it, they're the same and I'm frustrated. And like, that's the same thing of like, it's inauthentic to stick it out with someone who is not jiving is not on the same page as where you're coming from And to continue to participate in that is our own personal choice that at the end of that not working out, we have only ourselves to thank or blame for the way we progress through that situation. And this is where I'm at now with getting naked is this empowerment of being willing to be rejected by people who are not in alignment with my truth people who don't want to actually serve the highest good of the situation that we're both participating in, people who are interested only in gratifying their own ego and not in serving the highest good of the all. I'm willing for those people to reject me. I'm eager, eager. Hear me when I say. I'm eager for those people to reject me. It spares me the time of having to spin my wheels inside of a situation where I won't be able to grow and expand in terms of my own authenticity. I am not willing to hold myself back to keep other people comfortable. I am willing to put the best of me out there and to let the people who don't want my best to reject me so that I am free to be found and appreciated by those who do see the value in the best that I have to offer. I am willing to be, I'm willing to lose the business. I'm willing to be embarrassed. I'm willing to feel inferior. If it means the highest good of the all is moving forward. I am a servant of the highest good of the all. And I nakedly show up in that role one degree more, Every single moment I find the opportunity, every single time I feel one of these three fears rising inside of me, I hear the voice in my head that says, don't say that you might piss him off. You know, he doesn't like to be told that he needs to grow. Like, don't say that deep breaths and enter the danger, have pure intentions and don't worry about the consequences. I cannot recommend this book enough. If you end up taking my advice and listening to it, I would love to hear your reflection. I think we should have a book club at some point on this, on this book, uh, maybe more than one, and to talk about real-life examples and stories of how the fear came up, how you moved through it, how you shed your protective... Armor and how you got naked. I would freaking love, I would love to get to hear an avalanche of stories that sounded like that. Dear friend, thank you so much for listening. It has been my literal pleasure, my literal pleasure to get to record this episode. I hope you found it valuable. And until next time, take such good care of yourself, and so will I.